Please open your Bibles to Psalm 28. Psalm 28, we're continuing our occasional study in the book of Psalms. And we come to this one, which is, interestingly, not one that is very familiar, I believe. And even when I was considering what to do today, I planned to continue, but I read it, and at first glance I was wondering... But the more I meditated upon it, I realized, of course, God's word is profitable for teaching. So let's read Psalm 28 as we continue our worship, and then we will pray. A Psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, do not be deaf to me. For if you are silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those whose work, who work iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Requite them according to their work and according to the evil of their practices. Requite them according to the deeds of their hands. Repay them their recompense, because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the deeds of his hands. He will tear them down and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts and with my song, I thank him. The Lord is their strength and he is a saving defense to his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a central part of your worship. You've given us the scriptures, the Old and the New Testament, that we might know you, that we might know our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would hear the gospel, that we would be taught how to have faith, that we would know who you are indeed, As your word reveals here in Psalm 28, you are our rock, our strength, our saving defense. You rescue us. You hear our cries for help. You answer our prayers. And Lord, today is no exception. We need your grace as we seek to open up your word, help your servant to preach the word, help all of us to listen, to worship you, May you write your word upon our hearts. Would you teach us to pray better and then to give thanks for answered prayer and for thanks that you hear us. We do stand amazed that you hear our cries because of Christ. We thank you for our wonderful Savior, our mediator, and without him we can do nothing. So empower us by your spirit. Enable us to worship you. We thank you for this opportunity. In Christ's name, amen. 
Psalm 28 has parallels to the previous two Psalms, Psalm 26 and 27, and you can find one of the main parallels is the mention of the tabernacle or the tabernacle worship. We can see in 26.6 the altar. We can see in 27.4 the house of the Lord. And then in our psalm, we see him lifting up his hands toward your holy sanctuary. And it's interesting to consider how the psalms were collected. And at least that's one theme that you'll find in these three starting my timer so that we don't go for an hour and a half, which would be possible. The Psalms are our book of prayer. They teach us how to pray and how to praise. And I invite you, I invite myself to study the Psalms to learn how to pray. And often in our prayer meeting, we pray these very Psalms back to God. We pray His Word back to Him. So at least when we read the Psalms, we're in the school of prayer. And I hope that you would be encouraged about that today. Also, our theology. The Psalms are loaded with theology. That is what we believe about God. We mentioned it already as we read and prayed that the Lord is our rock. A theme throughout the Psalms that the Lord is our strength, our shield, our trust, our help. The theme of our song, a saving defense and our shepherd forever. In just nine verses, there are just a few of the main points that we would know about our God. And if we want to pray, if we want to persevere and grow in the Christian life, we must know who our God is. And as we pray, we bring these truths back to him, simultaneously instructing our own mind. That's who our God is. In this prayer, we find David beginning with I and me, then moving to them, the enemies of God, then back to himself, and then finally concluding with a few words for the people of God. So our prayers are about ourselves, about others, and about the people of God. Again, even in a few breaths, that's how we pray. You could divide this psalm maybe thematically, verses 1 through 5, beseeching the Lord, and verses 6 through 9, blessing the Lord. You could come up with your own outline. It's not real clear, but that was one suggestion I'll make to you. The title, A Psalm of David. Remember, these are prayers and praises. For millennia, This is these are the songs that the church was singing. They didn't have hymns until the 1600s. The church, for millennia, were singing the psalms. And that's why we love to sing them back. We have many psalms that are written in light of the New Testament in our hymnal. Isaac Watts wrote his Psalter, and it was interesting to note, he did not write a hymn on Psalm 28, which I was shocked about, and maybe you can correct me if you find it combined with another elsewhere, but he did not, and that is a wonderful hymnal, Isaac Watts Psalter. One author said that this prayer throbs with earnestness. I think it could be said of every psalm, but I like the idea, like the heart beating, our hearts throbbing as we pray to God with earnestness. And that's a desire of my own, that our prayers would be earnest. 
that our hearts would be throbbing to our God. We'll work through the verses one by one. I did have a few notes over on the side if you didn't get them. Verse one, he begins, To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, do not be deaf to me. For if you are silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. I like the NET translation. To you, O Lord, I cry out. My protector, do not ignore me. It's nice to read other translations. He begins his prayer to you. God is the object of his prayer, of course. God is always the object of our prayer. And then he has an immediate interjection. O Lord, not only to you, but O Lord, he's calling out for God to listen. I like the idea of exclamatory prayers, even an exclamatory or exclamational hermeneutic. And when we pray, there ought to be this interjection, Oh Lord, as one brother that used to attend, Jeff Nash, he came to our church and he said that we should avoid hallmark prayers. That might be like the prayer of the Pharisee or the prayer of Anne of Green Gables. Hallmark prayers, it just sounds so nice and so pretty. That's not really a biblical prayer. Our prayers might be disjointed. They might go from here to there, but at least there's this exclamatory prayer, this calling out to God to listen. The eye of faith looks up and the mouth cries out to God to hear our prayer. He calls out, he pleads, or he even proclaims to God. Do you think of prayer as a proclamation? That's the root of the word here, to call out, to plead, or to have boldness. Do you pray boldly? Are your prayers bold? Or are they ho-hum, God can answer whenever you get around to it? No, if you're desperate, you're praying, God answer me now. John concluded his Sunday school this morning by reading Hebrews 4. And I'll read verse 17. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence or boldness to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The word there for boldness is the same word Paul uses for preaching with this unreservedness of speech. We ought to have boldness when we pray to God. We cry out to Him. Do not be deaf to me, Lord, or I'm a goner. I'm on the brink of death. I'm going down to the pit. He was in dire straits, and it could have been when Absalom, his own son, was chasing him, or Saul was trying to kill him, or the enemies, the Philistines, were after him, and he was hiding in the cave. Lord, hear my prayer right now, or I'm going down for the count. Have your prayers been that desperate? Maybe it's for your marriage. Lord, rescue us or we're goners. Lord, rescue my child or they're going to die in their sins. Lord, rescue our country. Lord, help our church. We're going through troubles. Help this saint or this person. We must pray boldly, brothers and sisters. Come with boldness. Christ purchased that opening for us. As one author said, Jehovah seemed deaf to the prayer of David. He didn't get the quick answer. He was 
becoming more desperate. In a few breaths, we'll find that he does get an answer. But right now, in this verse, he needs God to hear. So we could learn in the first of nine lessons, when dismayed and distressed, call on the Lord your rock. When dismayed and distressed, call on the Lord your rock. Does anyone here ever get dismayed? Maybe it was five minutes ago. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it's tomorrow morning when you get dismayed or you get distressed. You hear some news that distresses you. Call to the Lord your rock. As we've mentioned before, it's not some little rock that you have that you pick up and put in your pocket. This is a boulder. This is a mountain. This is the rock which is God. So when you feel this this crushing, this choking, this alarm, this uh, fear, this grief or gloom, call on the Lord your rock. Fundamentally, Christians are are one thing. We are a people of prayer. And we pray to God our rock. So when you get dismayed and you get distressed, don't just start wringing your hands, but fold your hands and pray to God. There's not a day or even an hour or a minute that we cannot pray without ceasing because we continually need His help. We are weak as water and we are desperate and we ought to feel that we need the Lord to hear us. And the Psalms teach us over and over. David and the other psalmists cry out again and again, Hear me immediately, Lord. Call out to the Lord your rock. The rock, again, is a picture of permanence. Not some little gravel pieces, but boulders and mountains. He is our strength. He is our security. I just finished Second Samuel and In David's last words, he refers to God, and I was so excited to find this yesterday in my reading, that God is the rock of Israel. The rock of Israel. That is our God. He is a rock. Do we think and speak of God in those terms? I think our faith is weak because we don't view Him as such. He is our rock, and He is mighty, And we have security as we call out to Him and we pray to Him. His unchangeableness, like a boulder or Mount Rainier, that the the rock cliff is not budging. It's been there for a hundred years, a thousand years. And how much more our God, He is the rock of His people. He is the rock of the church. Christ is our rock as well. Pray to the Lord your rock. Call out to Him. Well, David moves from from calling out to verse 2, crying out. Hear the voice of my supplications. When I cry to you for help. When I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Again, he's bold. Lord, hear me. Do, do we say to God, hear me? We might tell our young children, hear me. Are you listening to me? Do we speak to God in such a way? Hear me, Lord. Boldness in prayer. Hear these supplications, these verbal requests for favor. I like the ESV. My pleas for mercy. I'm supplicating. I'm asking Him for something. I'm crying out to Him for help. These 
supplications. It's in plural later in the singular, but here it's in the plural. And one author calls this the the grammar in Hebrew. He calls it a a plural of potency. I like that. That there's a piling up and an intensity when we see that things are put in the plural. Lord, I don't not only had one prayer, but I had many prayers and supplications to you. There's a potency even in the grammar of the plural. He's crying out to God, even shouting, Lord, help me. Think of that. That woman that came at at night or the friend coming at night pleading for help, banging on the door and keep insisting and insisting and insisting. I have to get an answer from God. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. The Psalms motivate us to keep on asking as Jesus taught us. We must keep praying to the Lord for one year, five years, 20 years, 50 years, our whole lives, we pray for certain things. Do we not? Isn't there certain things that you've been praying for from your first breath as a Christian, you've continued for your whole Christian life? Lord, do this. Lord, save this person. Save my brother. Save my mother, my father. Lord, glorify yourself in this. We multiply our prayers to God and we cry out. So lesson two, when you need help, related to the first, when you need help, let your first breath be a cry to God. When you need help, let your first response, your very first breath be a cry to God. Because what happens when we often get in trouble? We do other things. We may run to to get a snack. I don't know about you, but if I get stressed, I can go pick up a bag of chips and start eating. It's funny, I know, but why is that my reaction to a stressful or anxious situation? The world may run to alcohol when they get stressed. You may run to something else, and there are good things. We may call or text our wives, men, or women to your husbands, sweetie, pray for me, I'm struggling. That's that's a good thing. But let our first breath, when we need help, be, Lord, help. A simple, short prayer. Lord, help me. Please, help this person. Help in this situation. Lord, help me with my customer at work. Help me with my co-worker. Help me with my spouse, my child. Lord, help me to preach your word even now. Give grace. I believe it was Thomas Watson who described prayer as the breathing of the soul. We are to pray without ceasing, and that's why we're in this school of prayer for life. We're continually learning and saying, Lord, teach us to pray as the disciples did to Jesus. So when you need help, let your first breath be a cry to God. I love Psalm 69, 12 and 13. Those who sit in the gate talk of me, And I'm the song of drunkards. How depressing. David was the song of drunkards. What does he, how does he reply? But as for me, my prayers to you. We can start fretting. We can start complaining. We can start counting. Oh, this person's against me. This person's against me. No, we should say my prayers to you. Or Psalm 109.4, in return for my love, they act as my accusers, but I am in prayer. 
when we're getting accused, when we're getting trouble, when David was attacked, what was his response? I'm going to pray. That ought to be our first response. If we struggle with anger, if we struggle with anger at people we love or those around us or those on the highway, Lord, give me grace to be patient. Help, Lord. Whatever the issue is, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. Let your your prayer and your supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayers and supplications, Old and New Testament, it's what the people have, of God have done from the beginning. And we will continue to the end. Do you struggle with anxiety? How is your prayer life? Whatever you're struggling with, how is your prayer life? Are you praying throughout the day? Are you spending time before you go to sleep, when you wake up in the morning, at lunch, driving in the car? Lord, help. Lord, bless this person. Lord, I see the mess in Ukraine. I see the mess in our economy. Lord, help. I see my struggling spouse. Lord, help them. I see my friend is dying. Lord, give him dying grace. I see someone's child is in the hospital. Lord, help them. Rescue them. Pray over these things. Well, David had a posture. It's descriptive. His hands were uplifted maybe to receive the blessing of God, looking to the place where God met with his people, his holy sanctuary, the tabernacle, or you can see in your column the innermost place of your sanctuary or the holy of holies, the place where the priest would go once a year, the place where the the candles were lit nonstop, the special place of God's presence. Again, it reminds us of what we read in Hebrews or even um, the, the truth in the new covenant that we come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood. How much more do we, as it were, lift our hands and point to Christ and, and seek to receive his blessings? We were singing it just a minute ago that we lift our hands to God, not necessarily physically, maybe we do. And we're reaching out to receive his blessing or pointing to where he's located That's where David was looking for help, to the place of God's abode. And for in the New Covenant era, we we can go right in through Christ to the presence of God. We didn't need that curtain. We don't need the curtain which was torn. We go right in. Well, David continues with the specifics of his prayer, coming to verse 3 through 5. I thought it would be a good reminder. You've heard this before. Lesson three, specific prayers get what? Specific answers. Specific prayers get specific answers. I love this because we can often pray in generalities, which is not wrong. But the Bible, we see from the beginning to end, we're taught to pray specifically. Ask God for specific things. Even here, cries for justice. And for those who couldn't make it to prayer meeting and maybe attend once a year, once a month, once every six months, but at this week I was reminded we prayed for someone to get their leave from the army. Believe me, anything in the army takes a lot of prayer. And we pray for church camp. 
We pray for a day off for someone needs help. We pray for specific things to God. But in this context, David prayed, verse 3, Do not drag me away with the wicked and with those who work iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Learn from David to pray specifically. Lord, may I not be caught up in their judgment. He's praying for the wicked to be judged. They will be judged. May I not be caught up in your judgment. The flood of God's wrath is coming. May I not be in the way. Protect me, Lord, even from yourself. Psalm 26, 9, again, a parallel verse. And again, these psalms are gathered. I believe the, the gatherer used these ideas to bring them together. Psalm 26, 9, very similar. Do not take my soul away, even using the same phrases. Do not take my soul away along with sinners, nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hand is a wicked scheme and in whose right hand is full of bribes. Lord, deliver me from being punished along with them. The wicked are rightly judged because they were pretending to be peaceful, yet evil was within. The NET again says, who talk so friendly to their neighbors while they plan to harm them. That's the wicked. They're talking out of one side of their mouth, oh, I love my neighbor, but inside they're planning evil. That was the wicked. And David had many of those enemies. We mentioned a few already. So he is praying for justice, that he would be protected. In this case, he's innocent. He's not like them, a wicked man. So, Lord, do not drag me away with them. So he's praying for justice. Again, we pray for justice, and we ought to pray for justice to prevail in society and in all situations. Yet he goes further. He prays against the wicked. Imprecation, verse 4, requite them according to their work and according to the evil of their practices. Requite them according to the deeds of their hands. Repay them their recompense. We usually don't use the word, at least I don't, requite. Give or return. It's used twice emphatically, I believe, here. Repay them their recompense, he concludes with. Pay them back. Give them what they deserve. Now, yes, in the New Covenant era, we pray for our enemies. Lord, have mercy upon them. Forgive them. Save them. But I believe we can pray in the same breath. Lord, if you're not going to save them, punish them. Destroy the wicked. Lord, save them or damn them. Read what Paul said of the Judaizers in Galatians 1. Read what the saints cry out in Revelation when the wicked are punished. Not comfortable thoughts, but we pray both. And David is praying for the enemies of Israel, praying against the enemies of Israel, that they would be paid back for their works, their practices, and their deeds, which are completely evil. So lesson four, generally, from this prayer for punishment, in the words of Paul in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. The principle from God that if you sow good, you will be blessed. If you sow wickedness, you will be punished. 
And that's what David is praying for. May the wicked who plan evil be punished. May your will be done, O God, in punishing the evil. We saw this in a few Psalms earlier, Psalm 18, with the kind you show yourself kind, with the blameless, blameless you show yourself blameless, with the pure you show yourself pure, and with the crooked you show yourself astute or crooked in a different sense. God will punish the wicked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. They may seem to be succeeding, but whatever they sow, they will also reap. And we pray for that very truth. May the wickedness of the wicked come upon them. Yes, Lord, save them. Yes, Lord, rescue them and turn them to yourself. But Lord, they're against you and your word says that whatever they sow, they will reap. He continues verse 5. Lord, do this because they do not regard the works of the Lord, nor the deeds of his hands. He will tear them down and not build them up. Their wickedness is against God and contrasted with God. Did you catch it? The Psalms often parallel thoughts. In verse 4, we saw their work and their deeds. In verse 5, the works of the Lord and the deeds of His hands. There's a contrast between the wicked and God. And that's why He's calling out for God to punish them. Because their works and their deeds do not align. They don't regard the works of God. They, They don't care about His deeds. It's the life of an atheist or a theist who just doesn't care. They don't care what God's work is or what he is doing. Disregarding God, they are doomed. And he will tear them down. Sobering truth and shows us the need to to send the gospel forth because he will tear them down. The NET, the Lord will permanently demolish them. Lesson five. Woe unto those who disregard God, for they will suddenly be destroyed. Woe unto those who disregard God, for they will suddenly be destroyed. We hear this phrase suddenly in Psalm 610. The enemies of God will suddenly be ashamed. Psalm 64, 7, suddenly they will be wounded. It's all through the Bible from beginning to end that God's enemies will be shocked at how quickly their doom comes upon them. It seems to be years and years and years, but compared to eternity, it's a drop in the bucket. God's enemies will be destroyed. They're on the brink right now of suddenly being destroyed. And further, positively and negatively, He will tear them down and not build them up. So He's going to negatively tear them down, but He will not build them up as well. What a punishment upon the wicked. And if you're in the category of people who does not regard the works of the Lord... Or his, and you don't care about his deeds, then you must repent and run to Christ. Well, David is about to transition here from this earnest cry and plea for help. Rescue me, Lord. Don't punish me with the wicked, but Lord, requite them and punish them. 
Verse 6, he transitions amazingly. Some people said this must be two different prayers. It can't be the same one. But think of your own prayers. We could transition in the same way as David did. Verse 5, excuse me, verse 6. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplication. He went from crying out. He went from being terrorized by what was going on around him to blessing God. Blessed be the Lord. He has heard. I called this, I gave the title of this message, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Sweet Hour of Prayer. It's a sweet time. Yes, it's sobering, it's crying out, it's calling, but it's also this blessing and praising and thanking and exalting and glorifying God. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I I was happy to discover, we've mentioned this quote by Matthew Henry many times. He quotes it in this chapter, excuse me, in this psalm. What we win by prayer, we must wear by praise. It's a great truth. What we win by prayer, we must wear by praise. He had supplications, verse 2. But here, God heard his supplication, so he's blessing God, he's praising God. So when you get an answer from your prayer, praise the Lord, because he has heard. He has heard the the pleas for mercy. He's, He's given mercy, he's given help, he's heard our cries, he heard our supplications. It reminds us of 1 John 5.14, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The Lord hears us. Brothers and sisters, lesson six, stand amazed but not silent. The great I am hears prayer. Stand amazed but not silent. The great I am hears prayer. Of course, Lord throughout this psalm is Yahweh or Jehovah. Lord in all caps. He hears prayer. We are amazed that the God of the universe, the God of all creation, would bow down and humble himself to listen to our cries, our supplications. We are amazed. We, we say, wow, I can't believe it. I'm struck. And as we're struck, we cannot be silent. We must bless Him. We must praise Him. We must thank Him. Are you gripped with this truth that your God hears your cries? That you can communicate with the God of the universe? That He is so transcendent, yet He is present, like in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. He's our Father, but He's in heaven. We're down here so low, but He is lifted up. Yet we cry out to him and he hears us. He hears and knows. So let us ask ourselves, do I bless God when he answers prayer? Do I thank God when he answers prayer? Do I exalt God when he answers prayer? Do I glorify God when he answers prayer? Or do I just go on as if nothing happened, forgetting, having a a forgetful mind, a poor memory that does not repeat his blessings in our songs. 
Psalm 103.2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. What's one benefit to prayer? That he hears me. He hears me. And he answers my cry. What a wonderful benefit that our Father hears our cries for mercy. Psalm 103.1 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, because he hears my prayer. Verse 7. He continues, and a verse that I'm seeking to memorize, and may you memorize it as well. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts, and my song, with my song, I shall thank him. He is my strength, my might. A mighty fortress is our God, a fortress, a bulwark never failing. Power. The Lord is my power. We've been instructed a lot from Ephesians that the Lord is our power. In Christ we have power. The Lord is our power, our strength. He's also our shield. Or a large shield. Not just a small one, but a very large one giving us complete protection. David, who was a mighty man, did not put confidence in his flesh, in his armies, He trusted in the Lord, his strength and shield. Again, do you feel your weakness or your ineptitude? And even as we consider Jesus' command to count the cost in Sunday school from Luke 14, we said, Lord, I need your help. Lord, enable me to count the cost. Enable me to love you beyond anyone. Lord, You are strong. You are mighty. Help me to do this. I'm weak. I am but dust. You know my frame that I am but dust. But you, Lord, you are so strong. Again, do you feel defenseless at times? Hide behind your shield. God being the largest shield that you could ever need, hide behind him. The Amplified translates it, the Lord is my impenetrable shield. Impenetrable. Nothing can get through. He has this deep-seated trust in the Lord, his strength, from his heart. Twice we hear, my heart, my heart. And it might even contrast the, the evil that those wicked men were planning in their hearts. But here, his heart trusts in the Lord. It's interesting that our culture says what? Trust in your heart. Trust in your heart. I googled it. There's new songs being written every year. Trust in your heart. Trust in your heart. The Bible says, let your heart trust in God. And that's what David did. He trusted in God. Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And when he did this, he found Great help. I am helped. Did it, did it sound familiar back to verse 2? When I cry to you for help. He got his supplication. He asked for help. And God answered him immediately. And he found help for his heart. Help for his souls. I am helped. 
How many times has the Lord helped you? Do we profess, Lord, you are my help? Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord is your help. Lesson 7, trust in your mighty Lord to find help. Very simple truth, not easy to do. Trust in your mighty Lord to find help. Five times in this verse we hear the word my. He's laid hold of God as his God. My strength, my shield, my heart, my heart, my song. It's a personal reclining and trusting in his mighty Lord. Your strength. You could look up Psalm 146, 3 through 5. Do not trust in princes. But yet how blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Or Psalm 125, 1. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion. On this rock, immovable. Is there any area that you need to trust the Lord with? Maybe there's something that you are struggling with in your heart of hearts that you need to just relinquish and put it in His hands and trust Him. He is trustworthy. He is your shield, brothers and sisters. Trust in your mighty Lord to handle it. He can handle it. He is omnipotent. And you are His child. I believe we sang it last week. We may trust Him fully, all for us to do. They who trust Him wholly find Him wholly true. When you trust in Him, He will not disappoint you. You will be helped like David. His heart not only trusted, but it exalted with a U. I barely noted it was exalt, E-X-U-L-T, not E-X-A. He had this triumphant joy and he rejoiced exceedingly. Trusting in the Lord should lead to thanking the Lord or singing to the Lord. Do you have a song in your heart? We sing because we cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. The Lord has done great things for me, so I will thank Him. He answered my supplication, so I will give Him thanksgiving. I will sing a song to Him. Not only on Sunday, when we gather corporately to sing His praises, not only then do we sing before the throne of God above, but through the week. Maybe it's just a line that comes back to you Monday as you're walking through the office before your throne, Lord. I I stand before you. I have Christ in heaven pleading for me. Praise Him. Thank Him. Sing those songs through the week. Get a hymnal. If you don't have a hymnal, Google it. All those songs are right there on your smartphone. Every Christian should have not only a Bible, but a hymnal. You should have that hymnal. You should learn those songs, memorize them. And just because of habit, they should not be, familiarity should not breed contempt, but we should take those lyrics of those true biblical songs and sing them back to the Lord over and over and over and over as the church has done with the Psalms for millennia. Maybe you write your own songs. Maybe you make it up. Maybe you just take a psalm and sing it back to God the best you can.
That's a joyful noise unto your Lord. And that's what David did. This mighty warrior, David, the great, the great leader of his armies, loved to sing songs to God. Think of the greatest warrior that maybe you've ever met in the military, read about a general. Usually it doesn't seem to fit that he's a great singer. But David was a great warrior and a great singer to God. Because of all his trials, he prayed much and he sang much back to his God. Sing a song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Verse 8. The Lord was not only David's help, but, verse 8, the Lord is their strength. He is a saving defense to his anointed. Again, the strength. The Lord is their might, their fortress, their power. He's moving from himself toward the people of God. As a good leader, he was concerned not only for himself, but for others. And one writer pointed out Paul's words as he began Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1-2, he spoke of their Lord and ours. Or maybe again the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day. Lead us. Forgive us. We can never be far from the people of God in our prayers. And that's what David did even then in the Old Covenant. How much more now in this beautiful New Covenant era when we see our brothers and sisters in such a clear light. God was not only a strength for the people generally, but a saving defense to his anointed. I can't pronounce it properly, but this saving defense is Yeshua Ma'al's. Of course, the saving, we've all heard that word Yeshua about Jesus being a savior, but a saving defense or a place of safety, protection, this fortress, this stronghold again for the anointed. King David and those anointed kings after him and ultimately pointing to the anti-type Jesus. David laid hold of God as his saving defense, his place of safety. Don't put trust in your strength. Young people, you may be really strong right now, but in a few years, the weakness will set in. Your knees, your back, your ankles, your hands. I'm not even that old, and I struggle to hold the hymnal after three hymns. Don't trust in your strength. Trust in the Lord's strength. David did. So lesson eight, revel in God's power to protect his children. Revel. He is their strength and he's a saving defense to his anointed. Here the king, King David, revel in God's power to protect his children. Revel in it. Delight in it. That he cares for his children. We've quoted it many times. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. He's committed himself to protecting his children. Jesus said, no one will snatch them out of my hand. What will separate us from the love of God in Christ? Nothing. Nothing can pull us out of his hand. We're coming even more to that. But meditate on this truth that God cares for his children. He cares for us. When we're despondent or downtrodden, 
a few moments of meditating on the Lord's care for us, we'll be lifted up. We'll be buoyed up. We'll be encouraged. He cares for me. That's good enough. That gives us peace, brothers and sisters. And often we don't have peace because we're not meditating on who God is for us in Christ. He is our saving defense. He is our strength. Finally, verse 9. Because of the truths that were just mentioned, he has this final cry and this final prayer within a prayer. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. Lesson 9. Let us always plead for a blessing for God's people, especially the household of faith. There is and there ought to be a special place in our hearts for the people of God. We're called to love our neighbor. We're called to love our families. But the people of God have a special place in our hearts. And so we pray often, Lord, save them. Bless them. Bless your inheritance. Pray for the protection of the church in Ukraine, in North Korea, in Egypt, in China. Lord, protect them. Preserve them. Bless the, 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 the dear family in India, in Dearborn. Help the church there. Help the church here. Be with the saints that are in prison, that are being persecuted. Protect them, Lord. Save them. Rescue them. Because they are your inheritance. God treasures His people in Christ. We are His inheritance. Again, we stand amazed. How could it be? He is our inheritance, but we are also His. Therefore, be their shepherd. Be their shepherd. It harkens back to Psalm 23. The Lord is our shepherd. Lord, be their shepherd and carry them in your arms forever. Maybe you've already thought of Isaiah 40:11. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, singular, his strong right arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. What a amazing description of God. A shepherd. A shepherd who carries his people, who lifts up those little lambs in his arms and holds them close and he will protect them and he'll lead the nursing ewes along gently, kindly. That's how our God treats us. And we need to renew our minds and know him in this way as he's revealed as the shepherd. And of course, we could go all through the New Testament. Jesus is the good shepherd. But even in the Old Covenant, we see the revelation that God is our shepherd. And when he prays that the people would be shepherded and carried, how long would they be carried? Forever. Many psalms end with the word forever. It's a study in and of itself. But how beautiful that no one will ever snatch us out of his hand. Once he picks us up, we're not getting out. Even if we try to get out, even if the devil tries to pull us out, he carries us in his mighty, strong arms, never to lose us, not one. 
He will never lose one of his children. The devil's not strong enough. The world isn't strong enough. We're not strong of us to pry his hands off of us. He's got us tight, safe and secure from all alarms. May God encourage you, brothers and sisters, to cling to him as your strength, as your rock, as your refuge, as your saving defense. And even in your griefs, as Spurgeon said, David's griefs made him eloquent in holy psalmody, in holy prayers and singing. Our griefs do not have to destroy us. By God's grace, they can actually and do make us stronger. Praise be to God for that. Let us pray together. Our Father, we thank you that once you lift us up in salvation, you will never lose us. That we will never fall from your arms. You never get distracted. You never lose one of your precious sheep. And we exalt you, Lord, and we confess that too often we forget how mighty you are. Lord, even today and this night, this week, bring to our minds that you are our strength, that you are with us and help your people to call more boldly, to pray with boldness, to cry aloud and to pray specifically. Lord, specific prayers get specific answers because you are pleased to hear and answer prayer. Thank you, Lord. Father, we also know that you will judge the wicked and may we be those that pray for the salvation of the wicked and yet, Lord, we know that Judgment will come. So may we go forth with the gospel on our lips and in our lives, praying for your will to be done. Father, have mercy. And again, be pleased to hear our cries today. Encourage your people. We thank you that you hear us. In Jesus' name, amen.